It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to be talking on the show today with Eric Sue. Eric is the CEO of Single Grain and founder of Growth Everywhere. Eric, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks for having me, Andy. Hey, my pleasure. So, may take a quick minute to uh, introduce yourself, give people a little bit of information about your background. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's what you said. Uh, I have a marketing agency called Single Grain. I also have two podcasts, uh, one called Marketing School, one called Growth Everywhere. That's where That's I right. interview a lot of entrepreneurs. We talk business, personal growth. Um, and I have a couple other businesses as well. Um, you know, our entire thesis is building great online businesses, uh, you know, based with the foundation of, of education first, which is a lot of the inbound stuff I imagine we're, we're going to talk about a little bit. But at the same time, you know, we, we do have, uh, you know, some of our own outbound methods, too. So, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of uh, who I am and what I do. So where did the name uh, Single Grain come from and what was the impetus to start the company? Yeah, great question. So I'm not the original founder of the company. I took the company over about three years ago. But, uh, you know, the original founder, he had to come up with a name and he had a deadline and he saw a box of cereal called Single Grain. And that's how the name came about. <laughs> it's uh, smacks of the, the myth of how Apple came up with their name. Yep. Uh, at the last minute in the uh, in the trademark office. OK, perfect. So um, so tell us just a little bit more about what Single Grain does. Yep. So we work with uh, technology companies, education companies. We help them with paid advertising. So anything like uh, Facebook ads, uh, Google AdWords, YouTube ads, mm -hmm. and then uh, also SEO as well. So typical uh, digital marketing agency. Um, and then the, the good thing about us is we we eat our own dog food. Um, so, you know, the, the projects that we have, like, the, you know, we implement our own strategies and it actually works. I think most traditional agencies um, don't really have their own projects to practice things on. Um, we do. So um, that's the little unique spin we have. Mm hmm. So, and what sort of your mix of your business comes from business to business versus B2C? Uh, you know, most of it is, is B2B. Okay. Uh, I'd say almost, you know, 70, 80% of it, I'd say is B2B. So what are you seeing in this uh, environment that you work with your clients? It's sort of the single biggest challenge these B2B sellers are facing today. You know, they're, I think it's, you know, it's generating conversions, whether it's uh, generating leads, whether it's generating demos, uh, they just have trouble doing it. Um, some people, they don't have... You know, there's a host of things, right? A, a lot of people that come to us that we cannot help, they don't have a sales funnel built out. So I, I think for a lot of people that are listening, you know, the, think about you know having some kind of marketing slash sales funnel built out where you know people are um, when you're selling something, you're not just trying to push them to a product page. I think people just kind of expect that, but um, you know you are you're telling them some kind of um, you know you're, you're nurturing them through a sequence. So you might push them to a piece of content first. And then they might go to like a video or a case study they might download or a checklist. And then afterwards, they might go and watch a webinar or some kind of uh, do some kind of demo. But it needs to it needs to make sense. Right. You can't just I'm sure you've talked about on the show. You can't just ask people um, to marry you on the first date. There has to be a, a sequence. Uh, so that's what it basically is. Yeah. Well, I, and later on, I want to get into sort of some more details about what that sequences are and, and help people to make sure understand sort of the pieces that they need to have in place at what time sort of in their in their sales funnel. But one of the topics that's that's really still can create a lot of <laughs> a lot of heated debate, if you will, is this idea of inbound versus outbound lead generation. And 
you know, there are some people whose opinions I really respect have been in the business for a long time, but they would tell you in the B2B space that, you know, the only way you can predictably generate leads is through outbound, you know, proactive outbound. And other people are just the opposite, 180 degrees. It's, you know, you're crazy to do any sort of outbound. The only way you can really generate leads is these days, cost-effectively, is through an effective inbound program. So what what do you see in terms of what is really sort of the realistic mix that most of the companies you work with experience in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I'll just speak from from experience from from our end. I think it's ridiculous that people think you know it's it's one or the other. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Same thing with when I look at marketing, people are just you know some people are just you know specialize in SEO and SEO SEO. That's that's everything, right? Or we're going to do paid advertising and that's all we know. Um, and they, they kind of all clown on each other. It just doesn't make sense because if you have everything work together um, holistically, then you get even better results. So for us, um, you know, we do a lot of inbound. Um, you can, we generate our leads through inbound and then we, you know, we, we do have an outbound process as well. Um, and it, it, it works well. And I'll tell you like our inbound process, like, you know, we're working with some, some, you know, we, the leads that we have coming in, we have a large airline company, uh, you know, that, that, that reach out publicly traded. Um, you know, there's also a large ride sharing company that most of you probably know. Um, and a lot of this is through, it's through inbound or, um, it's, it's through people that see our content first. It's like, Oh, you know, we saw your podcast or, Oh, we, we came to you through uh, the content. Um, and even the content that we're, that we're, that we produce, we push it on Facebook too. So you can consider that almost an element of, of outbound too. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get people into the funnel. Um, and you know, they're, 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 I would say the people that listen to the, the podcast, for example, or read, read our content, they're a lot more qualified and the sales cycle is a lot shorter. Um, so I would argue that, you know, inbound does in fact work. Um, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, you, for, for large deal sizes, you know, you have to do outbound. Now, I do agree with that, but, um, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily eliminate, uh, inbound. Yeah. Well, I think that especially now when you see the whole trend toward account-based marketing is that. Yeah, that really is using inbound to a certain degree in an account an account basis. Um, so yeah, it, it certainly see people integrating both in there. But you also in one thing that I'd read that you'd written uh, sound sort of a cautionary note about content marketing is that problem being is that yeah most of it out there is crap. <laughs> and so yeah, how do you, how do you write and create effective content that captures people's attention? Yeah. So what you can do is you can use a tool called Buzz Sumo and then look for the top uh, content in your space. So let's say I'm writing content about uh, content marketing, for example. I can just type that into Buzz Sumo and then I can look at the top content that's ranked out there. And you know, there's a technique. Uh, if you Google, it's called skyscraper technique. And basically, you're trying to 10x content whatever is ranking in the top three results for Google. Mm-hmm. And you're just ultimately trying to build out something that's much better. So, um, for example, in the in the marketing space, there's so many people writing out there. It's, it's very competitive and it's hard to rank for stuff. Um, but when you produce something with a unique spin on it, let's say you have unique data. If you look at like OkCupid when they um, you know wrote about dating, they had all this, all these unique data points, um, statistics, and you know, very simple graphs for, for people to understand. And you know, they got, they generated a lot of links, they generated a lot of traffic because they had unique data and they had a unique spin on stuff. So, especially in marketing, it can't just be an echo chamber. People are talking about the same thing over and over, um, or they could be, you know, the 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 content that they're writing is frankly not too much. 
uh, it doesn't really add a lot of value. It's, it's not in depth, right? So those are the things to consider. You know, if you're going to write something, is it something that stands out? Are you putting a unique spin on it? Um, and then if so, then, you know, you can easily reach out to other people and say, hey, like, you know, I have this piece out here. Yes, it's a lot of manual work initially, but once you get the flywheel working, you're consistent for, like, you know, two, three years or so, things are going to start to take off. And just to give you an example, um, you know, from a content marketing perspective, let's look at podcasts, right? Sure. My first podcast was, you know, after one year, I was getting nine downloads a day, okay, which is nothing. The next year, I was getting like 54 downloads a day, still nothing, okay? Then the, the next year after that, uh, you know, it was a couple hundred, but then, uh, and then, and then you go into like this year, it's like, okay, you know, at my high point, I'll, I'll reach about 10,000 downloads a day or so. And wow. that's led into my other podcast, which gets about, uh, you know, let's say 431,000 downloads a month. But like it's all consistency. It's it's you know maintaining the quality and being consistent. Most people just aren't patient. Like a lot of salespeople, they just want to close things fast, fast, fast. That's why they say this stuff doesn't work. But the people that have the patience to actually sit through it and have the discipline, that's those are the people that are going to see success. So getting back quickly though to the skyscraper technique, what was that specifically? Yep. So there's this guy named Brian Dean. He is in the SEO space. Um, he's also known as Backlinko. So if you just Google skyscraper technique, you're going to see his post talk about how you can basically um, outdo the results in Google and rank really high. Because if you have something that's genuinely good, you can just reach out to a ton of people uh, that have linked to, you know, maybe the top 10 results or so and say, hey, like I noticed you linked to this. I, um, I have a, I have an improved piece and if it actually genuinely is better, you know, perhaps, you know, 20, 30, 40% of people are going to link back to the newer resource because people want to add more value to their audience. They want to show something, um, they want to show, they want to show them the most relevant or the best result. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something that's going to help you ultimately get more links. And what does that do? That's going to get you more, uh, organic traffic from, from Google. And then you're going to be able to generate more in- inbound leads. Interesting. You have to, you have to Google that. Well, is, the, is, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, it does work because here's the thing. Like, um, if you literally Google the word marketing funnel right now in Google, like we didn't build, um, we didn't try really hard to to promote that post. But if you Google it, you know, I think we're, like I said, you know, we're, we're top three usually for that result. And it's because our we have a really high domain authority or a, a decently mm-hmm. high domain authority, I should say. It's, it's around 60. It's not really high. But that's, what does that mean? That just means, you know, we, we have a lot, we've, you know, taken SEO into account and we've had a lot of links coming to the site um, and it just takes time to do it. Got it. And there's been sort of a, I was going to digress for a second, is, is there's certainly something I've read over the last couple of years is, and listening to people is it seemed like there was sort of, you know, people start rolling their eyes when you talk about links. Um, and what you're saying, it's still really important. It is, and the the, the thing with uh, Google is they done they've done a really good job with their Google Penguin update. I think they've scared everyone into not really thinking about links as much anymore, mm-hmm. uh, and so people kind of shied away from it. And they're you know they're focusing on just producing great content and then using you know perhaps like Facebook ads to promote it, which is certainly works. We do that all the time, but link building is still a really important element. Um, and I don't see it going away for for a while. You know, at least you know we're talking you know perhaps another five years or so. We don't know what's going to happen with search. Maybe it's all voice search in the future. I don't know, but as as of now, you know, we, we still you know links still have their worth. Okay. Well, last question about content is is content becoming less relevant to buyers? I mean, given the fact that they have so many sources they can go to, uh, other than the seller themselves to find out about the seller and the products that are that are out there and so on. I mean, you know, user forms and place like G2 crowd, you know, peer to peer communications uh, mm. among their own networks. 
Yep. I mean, so you know what's interesting? I mean, we we just uh, we just signed a new client, and then they actually they G two Crowd and, and these uh, these review sites are very important uh, to them. But they still their sales funnel is they 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 want people to touch their blog first, and then perhaps get on a call, and then you know check out these review sites too, and then maybe send them like a white paper. So content still is very important because you're taking people through a, a buying decision. You're you know hopefully you're 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 retargeting people based on behaviors they've taken on your site. Um, and then you're sending them to, you know, these pieces of content. So I think, you know, more increasingly, I, I think that the biggest thing anybody can do in this, uh, that's listening to this is to start building a brand, it's, it, you know, and content is a, is a big portion of it, right? You build a brand, nobody can take that away from you. Yes. It's going to take a while to do. Um, but again, it's, it's very defensible. Yeah. And the reason I asked that last question is I read a book called uh, Absolute Value, What Really Influences Customers in the Age of Nearly Perfect Information. And these researchers, uh, two guys out of Stanford, you know, basically making the case that, that buyers by and large can circumvent the sellers almost entirely and still form a pretty, what they call it, nearly perfect view of, uh, sure. of the product and the experience of using the product without ever touching them. So that's why I was just wondering whether how content is still valuable in that sense. I, I don't, I mean, if I look at like a G2 crowd or something like that, and I've certainly used sites like these sure. um, to, to evaluate products, I, I can't make a final decision there. I do need to actually like go to the site and look through things and, and send emails to these teams. And, you know, this is a lot of content involved, right? The, the, the stuff that the support team send me is they're sending me links to content. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that assessment from that book. Right. Uh, I don't think content's ever going to disappear because you know it's it's basically information to help you make an informed decision. And these G two crowd sites, they're certainly good. They're certainly they certainly add an element to making the decision. But I don't think it's it's everything. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't think it's everything either. I, I just thought there, and I don't think the the authors were arguing that you would never never talk to the seller, but mm. that it becomes less important in the scheme of things. And what they're, you know, to your point about brands, one of their arguments is that that actually brands in this environment, brands become less important because you have all these other where you used to trust used to be a huge part of the brand, the value of the brand. Now the trust within the brand is less because people are trusting other authorities to help them make their decision. Could be. I mean, if you build like an indestructible brand uh, or a, a very strong brand, let's look at let's look at Gary Vaynerchuk for example. Sure. He's putting content out there all the time. He's got you know he's speaking at all these conferences. He's he's everywhere, right? That's something right. that's very strong. I don't think it's it's still that's something that's formidable to you know any of any of these sites out there. So mm-hmm. if you can build your brand to the point of of that level where you just keep focusing it on on all the time. I think a lot of people just they, they really aren't considering brand right now. I think they're just you know it's an echo chamber. People are um, you know let let's let's do this content marketing thing. Let's write you know, you know three to four hundred word blog posts. Let's do one per week for three months or so. And then oh well we tried content marketing it didn't work. I'm just gonna give up. I think that's it's it's a level of um, I think it's a level of laziness, and then you know it's, it's <laughs> that's what's going on right now. People, you know, get a little, they do a little work, and then you know they think they've they've truly tried it when they really haven't. I think it's just being lazy. Well, yeah, I think yeah, you see that across everything, as you said. I mean, this is before the example. It's uh, about people on podcasts. You know, the average number of podcasts that someone publishes, according to uh, Libsyn, these were who's a big industry expert and hosting site for right. podcasts, is uh, seven. Number seven of episodes that they produce yep. before they before they quit. That's and crazy. I, I never knew that. And I think it's the same with with blogging and content creation for a lot of companies. That as you said, mm-hmm. is they make half-hearted efforts, and if they're not getting a ton of traffic <laughs> generating off of the first few, or I don't get a ton of downloads, they just stop. Right. 
Yeah, you're never going to get anywhere if that's if that's the case. So you had written an interesting piece about the four stages of a sales funnel. I just want to run through that quickly so people as they start thinking and conceptualizing this because uh, you know it's different things you have to take into account. Excuse me. And the four stages you talk about is problem recognition, second is information search, third is evaluation of alternatives, and the fourth is the purchase decision. Is is I like the one we just sort of digging a little bit to the information search is because you talk about you know, how people can enter your funnel at that point. It's like how do they find you? And I think a lot of companies that just aren't mindful about how customers and prospective customers are supposed to find them. Right. So I'm not sure I'm understanding your question here. Well, no, I just wanted to go through some of the techniques that people should be thinking about as the considerations. Is because you know, oh, a lot okay. of people are still okay. just at the beginning yeah. stages of sort of trying to think exactly. through how they do this. Okay. So when you think about funnels, I'm going to keep it uh, even simpler. So sure. there's two. So you have top of the funnel. That's the first one. Then you have middle of the funnel. That's the second one. And then third, you have bottom of the funnel. Okay. Now, when you are thinking about people that are top of the funnel, these are people that have never engaged with your brand before. They don't know who you are. Okay. So top of the funnel might be because you're trying to indoctrinate them into your brand. Maybe it's something that's more, you know, you're sending them to a blog post or a podcast or something where they can learn something, right? Uh, this can, so for example, this, this, how to create a marketing funnel, uh, posts that this is more, you know, top of the funnel because mm-hmm. people, it's it's more informational, right? People are are they don't really they're not looking for a specific brand. They just want to know kind of how to do this. So that's top of the funnel. You you do how to how to create a marketing funnel, um, and they read that post. So that's that that that's what happens. And then what happens afterwards is let's say you you visit that post, and then I'm going to retarget you on Google and Facebook. Okay. So um, middle of the funnel content. These are people that have engaged. Well, explain for people that are listening that don't understand retargeting. Explain what that means. So retargeting means, you know, those banners that are following you around after somebody has visited your mm-hmm. site. So I, I'm saying you're not necessarily, you have a pixel on your site, you're, 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 uh, you're able to collect that data on these people that have visited that post. Okay. So that, that's still, we're, we're top of the funnel right now. Okay. Top of the funnel, they visit the how to create a marketing funnel post. Okay. That's the first one. Number two, people that have engaged with your brand already, they're on your email list already. These are people um, that would be considered more, you know, warmer traffic. You can consider these people that are, these are middle of the funnel in, 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 uh, for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these are people that you might retarget from the initial blog post that was top of the funnel. These are people that you might, you're going to retarget to perhaps um, something that is maybe like a checklist, maybe like a marketing funnel checklist, or maybe even a marketing funnel webinar because they're a little more warmer to you, right? They know who you are. Um, and you know they're they're going deeper and deeper into your funnel. So and so just to make sure people listening understand when you say you're retargeting to a webinar or something, that's that's going to be the call to action in the banner ad that's following them around. Correct. And I'm just talking in the context of, of, of Facebook right now, sure. okay, or, sure. or even Google. Um, yeah. So you are retargeting them up to you know your webinar, or even you, if they're on your email list, you can just you know send them to um, you know send them to that specific post. Um, so that's middle of the funnel. Okay. So bottom of the funnel. These are people that are ready to make a decision, right? These are, this is basically, you know, you're, you want to, you know, this is where you want to throw up your offer or your product or your service. Okay. Um, and this is where you can perhaps send them to, you know, your product page, or you can send them to, you know, set up a, set up a demo, whatever it is exactly. But these are people that have, you know, they're ready to make a decision. They've, they've got a lot of information already. They're armed with the facts. They've looked at reviews already. Um, you know, they looked at the G2 crowds out there. They've done the high level research at the top of the funnel. Um, these are people that are ready to make the decision. And then, um, you're going to create content around that. So the idea around these three is that you have people that are at different stages of the buying cycle. 
top, middle, and bottom. How are you going to create content for these people? You should sit with your content team, um, you know, perhaps for an hour or two, and figure out what kind of content you want to create. It doesn't necessarily have to be webinars. You don't necessarily have to use uh, ads. I'm just giving you examples there. Mm-hmm. But just figure out what makes sense. You know, based on how your audience is is behaving with your content, maybe blog posts do, does the best for you. Okay, um, maybe it's it's pure webinars. I don't know, right? Um, your business is different, but. You have to think about it that way, otherwise your funnel is going to be all over the place. Um, and it doesn't logically make sense if you ask somebody, oh, how to create a marketing funnel. By the way, come, come sign up for our $10,000 service, right? It's, it's dating. <laughs> it takes time to do it. Right. So a question about retargeting is, again, this is another one of these topics where you know, read there's some sort of degree of controversy about how effective it is or has it been overused. I mean, what's, what's your thought on that? I mean, you know, for retargeting, I mean, it's it's one of the it's it's bread and butter when it comes to you know Google and Facebook ads. Uh, you know, Twitter has the, the ability for uh, retargeting too. Uh, LinkedIn it has added that ability as well. But it, it's important for for stuff like this, like what we just talked about, being able to retarget people, send them content based on uh, their behaviors on your site. Let's say they visited something on sales, for example. You're going to send them sales content, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if they visited marketing content, you're gonna send them marketing content. So you're not just throwing everyone into one bucket. It's better to treat people as individuals. They like messaging that is more tailored towards them. They're gonna appreciate that. And your conversion rates are gonna be higher because of that. And what's your thought about sales pages? Again, that's another topic, you know, at a certain point made toward bottom of the funnel, you know, you land direct people to a sales page. Um, you know, with a big sales letter, con- content copy to on it. What's your thought about how effective those are? Yeah, super effective still. I mean, if you go to, um, there's a site called Swiped, so that's S-W-I-P-E-D dot C-O, Swiped dot C-O. You can see a, a lot of great uh, sales pages from, from great direct response marketers on there. Um, they still work. There's a reason that you know people are still doing this stuff. Um, you know, I think to not have a sales page would be a mistake. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't understand, you know, how, how people... I mean, it would truly blow blow my mind if people are saying sales pages don't work nowadays. Um, so <laughs> well, I, 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 did, I did see that somewhere, and I was like, "Hmm, interesting." And I think people part of the concern that they were saying is it was just um, too salesy. Ironically, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you're at the bottom of the funnel, um, you're ready to. If you're not ready to ask for a sale, I don't know what you're doing in sales. Right. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. So, okay, and uh, Eric. We're going to the last segment of the show here where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And um, first one is a hypothetical scenario where you, Eric, have just been hired as VP of sales at a company whose sales have sort of stalled out. And they want to do a sales turnaround. So sort of testing your, your sales gene a little bit here. Is, so what, what two things could you do your first week on the job that have the biggest impact? Yeah, so what I would do is I would take their email list. They have an email list, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'll take an email list and then I would go to Facebook. I was I'll go to Facebook and I will make a custom audience there. Um, now, what kind of what kind of business is this? Whatever you want to be. Okay, so I'm gonna just I'm gonna go to Facebook. Depending on the business, it could mm-hmm. be you know LinkedIn or whatever it is exactly. But I'm gonna go to Facebook and then I'm going to make a custom audience, um, which is basically uh, being able to target people on your email list. So I'm gonna have a custom audience for the people that have already uh, purchased. So my customers, I'm also also gonna have a custom audience for people that are on my email list but have not purchased. And then you can make lists for different areas too. Mm-hmm. 
Then from there, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a lookalike audience for these lists. So basically, Facebook can go out there and say, okay, based on you know your list of you know a couple thousand people, we're going to go find people that have very similar traits on Facebook. Um, and so you know up to two million, you know, two million, uh, starting at two million people, and it can range up to I don't know 25 million or so. Then from there, you have your audiences set up. I would first start retargeting um, people that are on your website, and I would also start retargeting your custom audiences with content. Okay. Hopefully you have content in place. Uh, I'm going to assume that you do, and then you can you can create basically a a content retargeting funnel is what's what we call it. So again, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. What kind of content do you want to send these people? Um, and you'd be amazed. I mean, we basically do the same thing with our agency right now, mm-hmm. and we get incredible cost acquisitions for for generating leads. And wow. this is something that you can take to your CEO and say, Hey, look, this this is the C, the the cost per acquisitions cost per acquisitions or CPAs. Uh, that we're getting, I think we should invest more money into this. And then you can also work with your sales team to see if these leads are in fact qualified or not. But that would be a good starting point um, for somebody that um, is trying to you know, jumpstart things. Okay, love it. Great answer. So some rapid fire questions then, just a few of them. Is First one is when you, Eric, are out selling single grain services, what's your most powerful sales attribute, you personally, when you're selling? Well, okay. For me, I mean, it's, it's all the work that I've done up front um, because I spend so much. I mean, literally our podcast is a daily podcast, the marketing one. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then my other one growth everywhere, that's, that's a weekly one. So there's a lot of content there. Um, and then we have, you know, the speaking engagements that I do. Um, and then we have a podcast like this one and then, you know, the, the, the ads that we're running. So it's almost as if, as if people are coming pre-sold when they're coming to us directly. And it's, you know, like I mentioned, like, uh, I think, Earlier this week, we closed a deal. It took me one week to do it, and these guys spend you know three to four hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, and it's because it's it's relationships. They know who I am already. Mm-hmm. Way easier to close that way. Um, and I just have a conversation with them. My advantage is I know marketing. We we just you know we we I talk from a consultative standpoint. I don't need to you know push any hard uh, hard deadlines or anything like that. Usually you know the the deal is going to get done, and my conversion rates are hover between anywhere from 60 to 80 percent or so. so um, <laughs> love so it. That, love it. That it works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So one, what's one book you'd recommend that that every business owner should read? Yeah, it should be the Sales Acceleration Formula sure. uh, by Mark Barish yeah. from uh, from from HubSpot. Yeah. Yeah. He was. We had two episodes with him earlier this year. Excellent. Okay. So last uh, last question for you. What what music's on your playlist? Uh, you know what? Let's see. So on my playlist, typically I listen to podcasts. So um, I have a lot of podcasts on my playlist. Mm-hmm. Anyone in particular? Your? Uh, let me stare at my list really quick. You know, one that's, I mean, the Andreessen Horowitz one, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. from Venture Capitalists. Right. Um, that one's always good. And then there are some, oh, Perpetual Traffic. That's a great marketing one. If you want to get into Facebook advertising, um, check out that one. And then uh, let's see. Smart Passive Income is always a good one, too. Is that Pat Flynn? Yes. Yeah, that's a great one. Excellent. Well, Eric, well, thanks for uh, being on the show. Tell people how they can connect with you or find out more about Single Grain. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to singlegrain.com. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter. That's at Eric. That's uh, E-R-I-C, O as in orange, S as in sugar, I-U. It's at Eric Osu, and uh, let me know if I can help with anything. Great. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. And friends, thank you for joining us. Remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. An easy way to do that is join these conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Eric Sue, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. 
If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.